All right, you guys, so we are pretty much almost in back to school season or we pretty much already are depending on where you go to school. But if you are a junior or senior in college, then you are probably coming to a slow reality check of holy shit, I am almost a college graduate. Like what am I going to do with my life? Like what do I do from here, right? I remember what it was like during college and after college and even during the job search process. It's all still really recent to me. And because I know how stressful it can be, I put together a career ebook guide for you called the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success. I include resume templates, cover letter templates, top interview questions, my personal answers to the questions, how you should be dressing at interviews, and so much more. So you can find all the information on this ebook and buy this ebook online at whatfulfillsyou.com. I'm Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hi everyone, happy Monday. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily, I'm your host, obviously. And if you're new here, welcome. Thanks for tuning in today and more importantly, during this very interesting time we are in right now. Personally for me, I don't really like to speak too much on the quarantine and COVID-19 and everything that's going on mainly because I think there's already so much news out there about it that me speaking about it more doesn't really add any benefits to the topic and to all of our mental health. So I'm going to kind of push that to the side, not to be ignorant, but I do want to say, just speaking on that really, really quick, for me right now, I... I'm I'm trying not to focus on it because I'm I'm trying not to take away my focus on the fact that I can still find manageable ways to live my life through whatever work I'm doing for my corporate job, for this podcast, for my blog, for everything I'm doing. I'm still trying to figure out ways to normalize it and not take my I guess try to, I I just don't want to steer too far away from my normal equilibrium, if that makes sense. And I say the reason why is just because I don't want to have to treat something that's already drastic, more drastic than it needs to be. So that's kind of my two cents on how I'm taking things personally. All in all, I'd say kind of the way I see things and the way I see where I see things going from where I live in Southern California, as most of you would probably know, we have been, I guess I kind of want to say hit the hardest or one of the hardest states that got hit. I mean, to be fair, not like it's a surprise. We do have a very, very large population, a very big state and so forth. So kind of the way I see it is that things have been shut down for 
about two weeks now, and I'm just trying to be practical and optimistic with it all. I'm hoping everyone can be as well. If you think otherwise, though, I totally respect it, but I'm just kind of here to spread practical positivity. (laughs) But moving on to my intro, if you're new here, I do typically share uh, specific pieces of gratitude in my intro and also just maybe a brief life update. So I will go into the gratitude piece first. So one thing I want to say that I'm grateful for today is that I'm really grateful for the way things have played out over the past few years and I guess all of my life. And I say that because I'm going to try to make this concise, but I went to UC Irvine for two years back when I was in college and then I transferred to Chapman. And I remember before I transferred to Chapman, I actually had a lot of strong hesitation on transferring in general. I was hesitant. I I guess it was probably just the unknown. I think I was starting to get really comfortable at UC Irvine. I felt like, I felt like I, I don't know. I, I just felt like maybe staying was better, if that makes sense. You know, it's, you know, one of those feelings when you just don't really know what's on the other side. So you start to second guess yourself. That was where I was at two, over two years ago, was it? three years ago now, so when I was was a sophomore in college, and long story short, when I transferred to Chapman, I think I met every single person that I was supposed to meet and was supposed to welcome into my life, and I guess this gratitude piece is technically a combination of being grateful for how things have played out in life, the timing of it, but also just the people that have come along with it. And I I say this with a focus on my experience at Chapman because I think one of these days I'll, I'll maybe do a podcast episode on the things I've learned about I guess red flags with people that I've associated with before and that it was a great, was a worthwhile lesson for me as I finally came across people that were more my type of people, if that makes sense. And so I guess like kind of going back on the Chapman part, when I went to Chapman, I had zero friends. I even wrote about this on a blog post back in 2017. I wrote this in my journal. And I just think that I was in a really good place to meet the right people for me. And looking back on the four years of college, I I do have to be really honest that just the, the, the people that I met at Chapman were so much more aligned for me and so much more aligned to be in my life than the people I met at UC Irvine. And that's not to bring any negativity in my experience at UC Irvine. It's just that I I remember I, I kind of only wanted to go to UC Irvine so I could have a reason to be out or go to school in California. I did have other options, by the way. I actually did. It's just that, you know, that's a whole other story. Um, it was just different processes to 
get to the end game, I guess you could say. And um, UCI just kind of seemed the most simple route for me, if that makes sense. And so I, I do recall my senior year of high school choosing to go to UC Irvine probably with 80%. Um, yeah, 80% of the reason was just because I wanted to be in Southern California. So obviously, I think if it wasn't the California aspect, I wouldn't have chose UCI at all. And I wouldn't have chose that school because I think when I visited it back in my spring time in senior year, I... I, I didn't feel aligned with like the school, the people on campus. Sometimes you just have that intu- intuitive feeling when you're meeting someone or when you're on a campus, like you just you just know. And <laughs> I had that intuitive feeling about UCI that it was not my place, yet I still went there. And then of course, over time, it kind of showed like the people and just the the negative feelings I felt in my gut um, that really showed over time and so um, I was very fortunate to have transferred and chosen the path to go to Chapman pursue a degree that I actually loved and was so excited to be in school every day I really was it's so weird but long story short I met my my best friends there those that I do believe will be my bridesmaids in my wedding in the future, <laughs> girls that I talk to every other day, especially during this quarantine time, I've been talking to them very frequently. And then on top of that, something else I thought of as to why the timing and just going to Chapman really made sense. And in hindsight, now looking back is that I now have, um, well, currently I have a new intern slash team member that is working on graphic design and different projects for me with the podcast as well as my YouTube channel and I met her um, kind of through the Chapman community she was following me and um, she's much younger and I was president of a pretty prominent club back at Chapman so I think some people knew me through different facets and I think I guess I'm just really in this moment right now of reflecting on my life over the past couple years and really appreciating how the timing played out because today now I have so many great people in my life that truly stemmed from the decision I made to transfer to a different school and I laugh at the fact that I, I seriously was ready to withdraw my application. This was like June or July 2017 I had one more month to go before the semester started and I was about to withdraw my application so if that goes to show um you know how much I appreciate that I didn't withdraw that application that I went through with it and now so many people highly involved in my life are from me going to that school I just could not be more grateful for it and kind of in light of everything going on I I do kind of look at this as a as a point in time where I will look back and somehow be grateful that the timing of the way this happened played out in the best way possible. So that is a very long spiel about what I'm grateful for, but I hope I can bring some sort of, I guess, light into the gratitude topic and for you guys to practice thinking or sharing or writing down one to three things you are grateful for, whether that's once a week, 
every day, every other day, whatever it is. Um, It's something I practice very often, and I highly encourage that to all of you who are listening. So I hope you guys enjoy that. So moving on to today's guest, I have Leslie Dwight, and I was so excited to finally sit down and have this interview with her. I actually reached out to her, I think back in mid-December or so, and obviously with both of us being very busy by nature of our jobs and our lifestyles, it uh, took a while to finally sit down, but honestly, she's so awesome. I will say she reminds me a bit of myself as well. I see a lot of similarities between us and maybe if you're listening, you'll probably be able to see some of those as well. But a little bit about her. Leslie Dwight is a Southern California native who temporarily traded the casual West Coast culture for the bustling city life in New York City where she attended Fordham University. She left with two suitcases and a little idea of what to expect, but she returned to her California roots three to four years later with a boyfriend, business, and not one, but two dogs. Today, she works in the digital marketing and agency world as the co-founder of Strand Social. Like I said, she was so awesome to have on this episode. She gives a lot of insight on a lot of real life topics that many of us talk about in this day and age, whether it's about the ups and downs of a relationship, figuring out where you want to go to school, just maybe even the idea of living in New York City. I know that's something that a good amount of us always dream about doing, but then I'd say half of us don't for, you know, for whatever reason. And I think we just touch on a lot of practical topics that Some are maybe even a little bit taboo that just people don't publicly talk about enough. And that's something that I really wanted to have as a takeaway with my conversation with Leslie. So without further ado, I want to get right into the episode. So I hope you guys enjoy. Well, thank you, Leslie, for being on the podcast today. I know today is Sunday and with everything going on, it's been a crazy world out there, but um, I'm glad we're able to finally sit down and just have a peaceful conversation today. So thanks for joining me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So how about you just go and share with the audience a little bit about the basics, a little bit about yourself, where you're born and raised, where you went to school, all the fun stuff. Okay, perfect. Um, So my name is Leslie Dwight. Um, I'm a Southern California native. I was actually born in Vancouver, funny oh, enough. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I would say, self-proclaimed um, introverted extrovert. Um, however, once you get me going, I really just start to open up and talk about everything, as you'll probably notice throughout this podcast. Um, I lived in New York for a while. I currently live in, back in Orange County in Newport Beach, and I own my own digital marketing and design agency, and I think that's, I think that's the rundown. And you said you went to Fordham. Can you share a little bit about your college experience and what it was like living in New York? Of course. So, um, the important beginning of the story is that I first went to Boulder, I loved Boulder. Um, I was very set on going to Boulder. I really wanted that 
um, very traditional collegiate experience with the sororities and the football games and the big campus and the big lecture halls. Um, I actually, I loved my time there. Um, I realized toward the end of my freshman year that I really wanted more intellectual stimulation. And it wasn't so much that I couldn't take certain classes or be in the honors program or do certain things um, within those means to have that experience at Boulder. Um, But I think for me, it was a matter of I know myself, I know my social side, and my intellectual side was craving that experience, but my social side wasn't going to give up those other things to let it happen. Mm -hmm. So for me, I knew it was going to require a different environment. So I applied to schools in New York. I thought I wanted to go to NYU. I got rejected for the second time. Um, Ended up being such a blessing in disguise because what I loved about Fordham, there's a lot of things I loved about Fordham, especially the people. But one of the most valuable parts of that experience on an actual academic level is just the small class sizes. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing with Boulder that I didn't really realize how much um, I struggled with that until I had the opposite. And I was in those really small settings and I was talking to my professors and I knew my classmates' names. So um, that was sort of my transition. And then um, at Fordham, I... Really, in the beginning, I was just so absorbed with being in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is amazing and so magical and everything everyone says right when they move to New York. Yeah. Um, then you experience winter for the first time. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but no, it's it was so magical. Um, and in that experience, I think a lot of people that have gone to school in New York can attest to this. It's, <laughs> it's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's inspiring in a way that, like, you have so many different things and different people and different activities and different lifestyles, the different everything going on around you. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe it's such a melting pot. And so as a result, you're really able to see all that's going on and kind of pick what you want to be a part of or find something that you would have never thought to explore or pick up on a new hobby or passion or whatever it is. And so I think that outside of the classroom, um actually going to school in New York City gave me so many experiences and exposure to so much that really ultimately played off of the academic experience I was getting in the classroom. And mm-hmm. As a result, I wouldn't change a thing about it. I loved my experience there. Yeah. I, it. I like that you share that it was a blessing in disguise because I'd say likewise for me going to Chapman, it was a smaller classroom setting. I actually ended up liking that intimate setting. I know my whole family, they went to Penn State, which is a large football school, Greek life school, everything and in between. And I think that I used to, going into college, I was looking for something like that as well, so similar to you. Yeah. And um, I had I was waitlisted at USC twice, essentially, and similar, kind of similar to you with like wanting to go somewhere else, but ending up at somewhere else. It ended up being truly a blessing in disguise for me as well. And I found a lot of value at Chapman. So I think that's kind of a similar learning lesson that we both had in that some things just work out for the better and we just don't realize it until, I guess, in the aftermath, I'd say. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, Do you have any advice for anyone that does want to move to New York or live in New York? I think that's something that a lot of people either aspire to do or maybe kind of always 
dabble with the thought with your experience i think you could maybe add some insight to that oh gosh um as you know i have so much to say that it it'd be hard to condense my advice to someone kind of toying with that idea i think the most important thing is to be introspective because my advice would be about the person Mm -hmm. um more than just like a blanket piece of advice i think the most blanket piece of advice or knowledge I guess I could share it's not necessarily advice is um know the worst of New York Mm -hmm. um because it is magical it is like so there it's so enticing and intriguing and you visit and you're like oh my god I'm walking around Central Park with a coffee and this is so great and you're not thinking about the fact that you just ubered which took you which cost $15 from your hotel to Central Park, bought your coffee for $10, walked through the park, 20 minutes later, you're freezing your ass off. But in your mind, you're like, oh, but this is so amazing because it's just special and you're on vacation. But if you can put the realistic elements of New York in perspective, um, you can think about grocery shopping in New York. Mm -hmm. You can think about like those little things, those day-to-day things that Mm -hmm. sometimes are often a lot more simple in other places. um, And you can be okay with that. Then I think that's really, because I think that's ultimately what caught up to me the most living in New York is I always tell people I didn't not love it at the end. I still loved New York. I was exhausted, you know? And so, and that's also because I came from a very small town on the West Coast where all I was worried about was like, doing my chores, doing my homework, then I got to go to the beach and I'd walk everywhere. So it was very simple. Um, So my advice for someone looking to move there would, again, on a general level, um, know the worst of New York, know the realistic elements of New York, um, but really be introspective about what you want out of that experience, Mm -hmm. um, who you know, talk to people going into it. you know, don't have bias. You're going to hear a lot of people that still live there say, oh my God, I'm so in love with it. But again, they could be born and raised there. Mm -hmm. So it's really about, um, kind of putting it all in the context of your little own world. Yeah. I I like that you put it that way too. I think oftentimes we get caught up in the fantasy of what things would be like, I guess, kind of like the grass is greener on the other side type thing. Yeah. And I think that's why for me personally too, I kind of asked that as a selfish question because um, it's something I wanted initially before I moved out of Pennsylvania, ended up in SoCal instead. But New York was something I've always had in the back of my mind. So I think for me, just kind of being analytical by nature, mm-hmm. I've always been like, what is it really like to live there? What's it like grocery shopping? Because here I can drive to Whole Foods or whatever and, you know, pick up my stuff and put it in yep. my car and drive home. Yep, Whereas I'm like, what do you do in New York? Do you get on the subway with your grocery bags and like things like that? Well, one of like <laughs> my most, dare I say, traumatizing experiences in New York was my, I was in so much pain and I, I didn't know if I was being dramatic I didn't know what was going on I first tried to go to urgent care and then I I finally got to a point where I live by myself in New York and it was like two o'clock in the morning and I was like okay this is fucked up like I'm in so much pain ubered to the emergency room and had to get an appendectomy so like my appendix hadn't burst had I waited it was it would have um but not only did I have to Uber myself there, <laughs> but my family was on the other side of the country. And I was like, what the hell? Like, this is the <laughs> middle of the night. I'm by myself. Yeah. I Ubered here. <laughs> like, I, I'm calling my mom. She's like, I'll get on the first flight. If Actually, I remember she didn't answer the first, like, five times. So I kept calling my grandparents. And 
I knew that if she kept getting calls from them, she would see her phone on her, on her nightstand and be like, okay, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so for, with me, she's like, you, you can, you're good. You're self-sufficient. You can take care of yourself. So I can call her a million times. She won't answer. So they finally got a hold of her and they're like, Leslie's in the hospital. It's like, you know, it's just chaos. And then she's trying to get on the first flight. But realistically, that doesn't mean, that means she's going to get there like a full 36 hours later, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So... I don't think she ended up getting there until after I was out of surgery. Okay. So it was a wow. big, yeah. That is crazy. And I had never had surgery before. I was like, I was like crying to the doctor. Oh <laughs> he was like, what <laughs> is going on? You know? Right. So it's part of growing up, but um, those are the things. Um, and that's not just New York, but those are definitely the things that contribute to my experience. And I'm like, okay, I understand yeah. at the end why I was so tired. Yeah. I also want to touch on, because you mentioned it, you lived alone in New York, Mm -hmm. and I think that's something, a huge similarity we've had is just kind of, I see is that we both kind of went into adulthood very quickly in a way, just kind of living on our own, taking care of ourselves, being pretty self-sufficient, not, I don't know about what your experience was at Boulder, but like I never really loved a roommate like or just like a huge sorority house experience that was just kind of me personally I always liked having my own space and then kind of going out to see people yeah um and then currently I live on my own have my own apartment so I wanted to just ask like what have you learned from living alone um any specific reasons why you liked it or more particularly living alone in New York what's that been like okay so I'll say that living alone was like one of those things it started as one of those things that it wasn't so much by choice uh my parents wanted to kill me for the cost of it but um I just I made that decision to transfer and move so quickly and it was all just very expedited Mm -hmm. um that really my only option in order to ensure that I had an apartment and had all those things secured by the time I started my sem- my first semester, mm-hmm. um, I I really had to essentially get my parents on board first, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I had to live alone. And I and I had done that with the thought of like I'm not closing the door on a roommate, especially right. if my parents say, "Well, guess what? You don't have a choice anymore." Yeah. Um, but I I just was kind of like, okay, this is a reality, whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. I think that something I value about myself is that. Yes, I find the silver lining in things, but, like, things that aren't necessarily blatantly bad situations on the surface, just kind of unexpected situations. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just about finding the silver lining. I think I'm good about finding reasons to be excited about it. Yeah. So, all of a sudden, I started to embrace it. I was like, okay, cool. At least I get to, like, you know, plan my own furniture and Mm -hmm. no one else has a say and little things like that. So, I got excited and I was like, I can you know, stay up as late as I want and I can cook whatever food I want and I'll have leftovers and no one else is going to get into them and I'm not going to worry about so-and-so taking my Mm -hmm. coffee or my milk. So you, I found the little things to get excited about. Um, and then as it, as I lived alone, I, the beginning, you know, you could probably attest it's weird. For some people, it might be hard. It might be scary. For me, it wasn't so much hard or scary. Maybe there were a couple days or nights. I don't know. But (laughs) um, it was just weird. Like, you were like, okay, good night. Like, like looking around. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just a bizarre feeling. Um, But I would say that even though I ended up still living alone pretty much the entire time I stayed in New York. Oh, okay. um, I would say that it was 
I'm trying to streamline this advice. I would say that it's about the self-control and self-discipline you have to still go out and be social, still make an effort with other people. Um, I think that that was the only thing with living alone that I would worry about at certain points was that you get really comfortable, you get really invested in your own routine, Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to consistently worry about someone else's routine to the point that you talk yourself out of going to certain things or, you know, sometimes you can almost like it too much. Yeah. Um, I know it's kind of a roundabout way of getting there, but I think that that's all in all, like, that's really the only issue, so to speak, that I noticed with it because, like, you, I didn't live in the sorority house. I was in DG at Boulder, but Mm -hmm. I didn't live in the sorority house as a freshman. Um, That's what you usually got to do as a Mm -hmm. sophomore. Right. Um, So while I was anticipating living with a huge group of girls, I never actually did. Um, But I lived in a dorm and I did all of that and I had my own roommate. So I, you know, I think it was just kind of a matter of like those two polar opposites in the beginning at Boulder. I was like, okay, I'm so social. I never want to give this up. And then I get the antithesis, and I'm like, wait, this is so calm and nice, and like, I don't want to give this up, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's awesome that you got to experience both sides. Okay, so I also want to dive into a little bit on dating and relationships. I think you and I have had pretty similar, I guess, background experiences in it. Um, I know we talked about it previously on a different conversation. We both had have had a previous four-year relationship, and um, I would say we both probably had similar takeaways and lessons from it, and I think that's probably a huge one that I get asked about, especially for those who have, like, followed me for a while. They kind of seen, you know, my relationship experience, and they've seen me also come out of it without, I guess, really it taking a drastic toll on me in a sense, and I think people always wonder, like, how to get there. I think those are some of those things that are so sometimes taboo to talk about because people think it's either too sensitive or you shouldn't talk about what you've learned from it in like a positive light and I think you're a great person to talk about with so can you dive into if to whatever extent you'd like what um you know what you've learned from your past relationship and kind of how it's taking you to where you are today so my first love so to speak um we first dated in high school broke up at the end of high school and then got back together when we were both in New York and because he went to Columbia and because this is all about being honest the first breakup I was a disaster like and that's Mm -hmm. also just part of being young I mean Mm -hmm. like I just I I had no idea what I was feeling like I had no idea what to do with it I had no idea I I was like I was just my mom didn't know what to do with me as a result Mm -hmm. um So, you know, I think that in the beginning, when you're first going through that, um, you have to be okay with how bizarre and fucked up those feelings are. Yeah. Because it's the reality. You, If you don't know what it feels like to get your heart broken, you can't prepare yourself for that. You can't, like, no no one's logically going to be able to get through to you maybe other people but for me I was like I was so stubborn and I was like no one can understand this I listened to the most emotional songs I watched the most emotional (laughs) movies like I was doing everything that made it worse um the one thing I had from the beginning which I think a lot of other people um can relate to is 
there's obviously an urge to you know stalk that person on social media i hate the term stalk because it sounds right. like you're an actual sociopath but you know what i'm talking about like right. just look into what they're doing kind of mm-hmm. keep tabs on them mm-hmm. i my therapist actually complimented me because i remember going to him after we had broken up and i was again a walking disaster and he was like okay okay come back down to earth he's like first things first stop looking at their social media and i was like Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, like, I know I'm a walking disaster right now, but I swear to God, I haven't done that. And he was like, really? And I think for me, the one thing I recognized in an early age, which benefited me in that situation, is that, like, what's your business is your business. What's their business is their business. What's in your control is in your control. What's not is not. And I knew that I was in a lot of pain. I knew that it sucked. I knew that I was being stubborn and, you know, maybe psychotic in some ways. But I knew that if I were to just constantly keep tabs on what he was doing or who he was with or there was a girl in his photo, I would say to myself, like, yes, I'm so curious. But the reality is, like, I have no business or right to get mad about this Mm -hmm. so it's gonna make me mad and then there's gonna be nothing I can do with that feeling yeah and so I think that that's something for people when you're initially going through breakups especially is like just to kind of implement that um you know that practice or exercise of not giving into that urge because there's zero benefit Mm -hmm. um he didn't believe me when I told him that when we got back together I was like yeah he was like well I'm sure this upset you and I'm sure this and bless his heart and I was like (laughs) well it's upsetting me now but like I didn't actually see any of that yeah and he was like that's bullshit like of course you looked everyone looks I was like I didn't look um anyway fast forward so then um we got back together we broke up a second time that was much easier for me not because Mm -hmm he was still the same person so I mean like it's nothing against him but it was much easier because merely for the fact I had felt it I'd gone through it before I had kind of known how to corral these really intense emotions um I think that breakups can be the most powerful thing and sometimes most beneficial thing because it can drive you to do all of these other things Mm -hmm. um be careful with that because obviously you don't want to drive you to bad things but (laughs) it can drive you to just Try new things. Be creative. My whole philosophy is, like, if you're going through a breakup, distract yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think in distracting yourself, you you can kind of get out of your, you know, very um, day-to-day habits. You mm-hmm. can try stuff you've always wanted to try or you spend more time with friends that you usually are like, oh, I don't have time right now. Like, I'll have lunch with them next week or the week after. And you mm-hmm. start to do those things. And so I think that that was a huge blessing in the second breakup is that I was like wow okay this is actually can turn into a really good thing and there's a lot of silver linings here you're I was around so many people that again I I can admit I very very was wrong to not make time for them before and then afterward I was like wow like time with these people is teaching me so much about myself and these are people I really love and they're my friends to this day or whatever it is and so um It's just kind of a matter of, like, accepting the situation as it is. I think people go through breakups and they hold on to, like, well, we're, like, we're maybe going to get back together or, like, we're, there's still hope for us or whatever it is. I don't know if this is TMI, but when um, we broke up the second time and the last time, I remember saying to him very dramatically, but I meant it, I was like, if you leave 
And if, like, you end this conversation where it is right now, which was a breakup conversation, mm-hmm. like, we are not getting back together. Like, we mm-hmm. are, this is it. Yeah. And he left. And for me, um, I'm sure, like, the physical act of saying that really helped with that process. But I think that's just something that, whether it's verbally spoken or not, I think that's something that for your own, like, mental health and sanity, people need to accept, like... If you don't want to break up with someone or you want to get back together or you want to whatever, find some other solution. Because for me, it's like you break up, you break up. You're not breaking up with the intention of getting back together. You know what I'm saying? Because then your healing process is all fucked up. It's not linear. You're never going to, you know, get to that end goal. You're always going to hold on to this sliver of false hope. It's it's really, really screwed with you. And I really believe that's why, especially the first time around, I was so screwed up Mm -hmm. because I and I probably knew there was unfinished business, hence the fact that we got back together. Right. But that unfinished business, that false hope or whatever it was in the back of my mind, for like the two years that we were apart, that's all I would, would think about. And it wasn't mm. healthy. And so not dealing with that the second time around, I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm mad he left. I'm sad. I'm heartbroken. All of those things still. But I know that there's like only one direction I'm moving in and it's forward. Like he's, we've just decided there's no going back now. So I think that's just a philosophy that a lot of people need to have when they break up. And Mm -hmm. if that's not what they, if that's not the philosophy you can have, if you're breaking up, then my suggestion is you're not ready to break up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. That is so thoughtful and just very insightful. I would say same thing. Um, I had, you know, my, between my four year relationship, we broke up, twice essentially the first time was after about like a year and a half two years and then the second time was around like close to four years and similar to you I'd say the first time was so difficult for me I think processing the emotions just also being by myself I think I was we actually lived together mm-hmm. we also had a dog together okay. so we were pretty serious and um and he was also two and a half years older than me so he graduated college I transferred to Chapman so um it was during a transitional period for me as well. And then um, I think during that breakup, I think to pick myself back up, I used it to drive me to do positive things, to, um, as cliche as it sounds, just work on myself, but not just work on myself, but really actually figure out like, who am I? Like, you know, what's my character like? You know, what are things that I want to improve on? What are things that I see that I could be better at, you know, whether that's the way I treat people or whether that's the way I discipline myself in, you know, working out more, things like that. Um, And then that's why, similar to you, I'd say the second time around was when I was able to really, you know, see it as like a just moving forward. There's really no going back at this point. But I don't know, you know, kind of what I'm interpreting is on your second breakout, would you say it was just it went a lot smoother in terms of how you felt about moving forward and kind of moving on with your life compared to the first time? Yes. It was just, there was like a, there was an end goal. Like the Mm -hmm. end goal was actually to get over him. Like the first time it was like, I didn't know what the end goal was. Like, yes, you know, everyone thought that the end goal was to get over him. I thought that my end goal was to get over him, but like truly the actions and my behaviors and everything that I was doing, my emotions, that wasn't, that wasn't the direction of that end goal, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think having that very clear, clearly defined end goal the second time being, okay, I need to get over him, even if it's the hardest thing I have to do, even if I have so much love in my heart for him, like, that's where I know I need to go at this point. That's Mm -hmm. the direction I need to be heading in. Um, Just made that process so much more linear and and doesn't mean that there weren't bad days in between, but 
um, you're just kind of able to like tunnel vision, focus on focus on eye on the prize, yeah. you know, and then yeah. you get there one day. I, I like that you say that as well. Um, do you have any specific advice or I guess the biggest lessons you've learned from that first long-term relationship? I think that's something people tend to always be curious about as well as just hearing firsthand from someone that has experienced it. Would you say there are any key takeaways that you think anyone can really apply to their current relationship or maybe they're about to go through a breakup or currently in one? I think, um, I think in terms of your relationship itself, I think that there's it, what the biggest thing I learned from, from that first relationship that it's hard to say I would go back and change because I think it's more up to your maturity level and your age as a result. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, starting that relationship in high school, like you're so young and I think too, your emotions are just so raw. Hence the reason the breakup is so rough, but also like the love is so you're like, Oh my God, what is this (laughs) feeling? Like you're overwhelmed. Um, and I think that your world is, pretty small when you're that young you know and so I look back on that relationship and the things that I would I would pick fights over and I'm like oh my god like Mm -hmm. I was a disaster 16 year old Mm -hmm. but like you know they were reasonable for maybe maybe not so reasonable but Mm -hmm. in in the moment they felt reasonable um because I think your emotions are just so heightened which means like for me your you know my worries were so heightened or my fears were so heightened like I remember, I'm a crier. I'm the first to admit it. That's how I show my emotion. Um, I remember crying to him, like, probably beginning of our senior year. Like, Mm -hmm. crying. Like, a few times over. Just like, oh my god, we're probably going to have to break up at the end of this year. And he was like, okay. Like, like, (laughs) you're not wrong, necessarily. We don't know the answer to that yet. You're not wrong, but, like, you're also crying about this, like, aggressively crying about this, <laughs> like, nine months in advance. And so what I think I noticed is that you you sort of create your own reality, especially mm-hmm. with relationships. So if you're going to nitpick about this, you're going to start crying about this, you're going to start dealing with an issue that hasn't even happened yet, that issue is going to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And so what I think that ultimately ended up leading to was we didn't break up at the end of our senior year because of the college thing we broke up right before we found out about where we got in Mm -hmm. so we didn't even give ourselves the opportunity to be like okay we're both gonna go to usc we're both gonna do this or whatever it is we're gonna try long distance because it's only an hour away from each other we had no idea where we were going um we broke up because i think fights like that or issues like that that started i started to worry about so so much earlier than i should have Mm -hmm. They create a disconnect. They create tension. They create... Then it's like every time we're hanging out or spending time together, like, this is just constantly brought up. And it's just like, it It sort of... Um, it, it impacts the, the feelings and the love and the joy that those moments should have. Yeah. So taking that experience, I think that the biggest thing, biggest piece of advice I could give to someone in a relationship, not necessarily looking to break up, <laughs> but in a relationship, is that pick and choose your battles... Because it's not just about, like, you know, I think when people say pick and choose your battles, it's like, oh, well, I'm just, I want to be able to prove a point or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I get that. But it's also, even if what you're saying or thinking is valid, 
Like, you have to, again, go back to what I was saying and think about the reality of, like, you can very much be self-sabotaging, speaking an issue into existence or making it bigger than it would actually be in reality. Um, But that's, I think that's a very normal sort of flaw I see in people. I'm not, I haven't mastered it yet. I still, I'm sure, I'm sure I still do that from time to time. But, yeah. And then in terms of breaking up, I think it's just a matter of, um, if you're nearing that point or considering it, um, you have to put yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to hate, hate the phrase all is fair in love and war because I was like, mm-hmm. that's just not true. It's not fair because love, like, you know, like we, I, I just hated it. I hated it. I was mm-hmm. like, and I do, I think of other people's emotions a lot. I'm very empathetic. So I hated the idea of like being selfish and like that being okay with love because you're still hurting someone else and like why is your feelings more important Mm -hmm. but I came to realize that like you have to be not necessarily like entirely selfish with love but you have to always make sure that you're happy and your needs are being met Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be willing to compromise that you should you know like expect a relationship to not require effort or energy but um if you're not happy you're not going to be the best partner you can be. Mm-hmm. Your resentment's going to build, you know, whatever it is. And and ultimately, the relationship's going to be affected. The other person's going to be affected. And I don't necessarily even think saying I'm happy has to be like, I'm not happy, we're breaking up. Mm-hmm. But if you can just start having that conversation and pointing things out, like, I'm, ha- I'm not happy, and these are the reasons why I think I'm not happy, or these are areas where I feel like maybe my needs aren't being met. It gives both parties the opportunity to work on it. Then right. I think if you come to the realization, I'm still not happy, these issues still aren't being fixed, okay, then break up. Because, and then when you break up, it will be easier because you'll know you tried. You know, right. like, you'll know you communicated. You'll know that it wasn't just, you didn't just expect that person to read your mind and mm-hmm. fix an issue that you would never even talk to them about. Right. So, I think that that all kind of comes together um, to ultimately, if you if it does end in breaking up, it, it does make it so much easier. Right. You don't have regrets. Yeah, and I agree with you, especially on that last part where you're saying that, you know, when you're able to speak about those things and really try to work through them and it just doesn't work, I mean, that is kind of like your answer right there, which is kind of what I had felt that second time around because I think it comes to a point where you try every single, you know, solution or potential solution and and you kind of see that, um, I guess, that just obstacle where it kind of stops the growth of a relationship and even for friendships as well I mean we a lot of people hang on to friends they've had since they were five six seven years old and they think that you know they should be friends with them forever because they've had that friendship for so long and I think that's kind of the similarity with romantic relationships is that just because you dated for x amount of years or had this friendship for x amount of years if it comes to a point where certain issues keep arising and they can't be, you know, solved, then that's kind of your answer. And I think for me, that really helped kind of that that second breakup on being able to move forward because I had that answer or enclosure essentially as to like, it wasn't going to work regardless. And I think that made me in a way, in a weird way, happy, just knowing that for both of us. And I think that's for anyone listening to it. Sometimes it takes a really mature mind to realize that it is better for both of you. Like, you know, for me, I especially the first time I had a lot of resentment, the second time I had very, very little to no resentment mm-hmm. because I was like, 
I hope he he's gonna find a better partner that's more suitable for him. Absolutely. And I'm gonna find a partner that's more suitable for me. But there's like no like the, the breakup. There's like no hard feelings about it. It's sad that's ending, but at the same time, I I wanted him to have someone better that's like more compatible for him. Yeah. And likewise for me. So I think that's something some people got to realize. Um, you know how it is. I'm sure you've seen just relationships. And I think this stigma of casual dating and that's, you know, people on dating apps and things like that always kind of like searching for something. And I think like some people even in a relationship right now, as I've observed, are sometimes in it just to be in a relationship. Right. And and just have that and say, oh, I have a boyfriend oh, and whatnot. Yeah. And I say, you know, you don't have to be um, just just to like have a boyfriend or just to have a partner and if certain things don't click, you can walk away. It's not like it has to be like bad uh, fights or energy to make yeah. you kind of move on from that. So yeah. I think that's that's awesome that you're able to share your experience on that. Yeah, I'm happy to. <laughs> you know, I think it's important, like you said, that people talk about not just the pretty picture of things, mm-hmm. but just the the stone cold truth. Yeah, yeah, and you as well. I love that. I love what you shared and the honesty and also getting back together and breaking like it's all we've all gone through like all the motions all the weird experiences yeah but you learn from it and if you can help someone else gauge and navigate how exactly. to get through that experience exactly. when they're in the thick of it like mm-hmm. i look back and i i shouldn't say i feel sorry for my heartbroken self but <laughs> i like want to like hold her and be like it's actually going to be okay like it's right. not it's not just like oh it's okay it, it will be okay like yeah. you will be fine mm-hmm. but you don't believe that in the moment because i guess you're stubborn right so i think it's good <laughs> that you know we can talk about this stuff exactly so I just want to now pivot a little bit into kind of what you're doing today. Okay. Um, so you graduated the same time as I did, so May 2019, um, and you also decided to go a not-so-conventional route. Mm-hmm. So can you touch on a little bit of what you're doing today? You already spoke about you know, um, starting your own business and your own digital agency. Can you touch on maybe how you got started, why, kind of what led up to it, everything you know, in the back end of it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I will say my, uh, my moving to New York is a good example of my sort of ability. My mom calls it an ability to adapt. I do think that I have a very adaptable side, but I think that I have, I'm a Gemini. So I come up with a lot of things and there's a lot of things I start and I don't finish, which I'm not proud of. But also when someone brings me an exciting idea or I think of an exciting idea, there are times where I just press play and I don't really look back. Sometimes that's not, that's not a piece of advice I would necessarily recommend. I think there's a middle ground because um, you need to know what you're doing and Mm -hmm. you need to know what you're getting into. But Um, I think that for me, I have to make decisions rather quickly because if I sit on them, I at first romanticize the situation. I'm like, okay, actually this would be so great and so cool. And then all the fears start flooding in, all the paranoia, all the doubts, all the anxiety. I'm like, okay, I'm out, never mind. And I just like kick it to the wayside. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, I had been working on it was like independent independent contractor freelance type basis um with Shayna Therese Taylor who's Ryan Seacrest's girlfriend she's a health and wellness sort of guru influencer um a, a chef and she started her own CBD line so I was doing all of her social media um really kind of 
understanding the ropes of brand strategy and establishing a brand and mm-hmm. launching campaigns as a result she had she's so multifaceted as a self-brand and and so as a result there was so much going on but it really gave me exposure to all of the things going on um and so I had basically been doing that and then decided this is really something that I want to pursue my mm-hmm. last year of um my last year of school at Fordham my senior year I basically was the only uh, major that didn't require a thesis and me being insane basically voluntarily took on a thesis. (laughs) So it was technically an independent study, but it was all about influencer marketing and social media marketing because the collegiate curriculum didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. So I I was pursuing that. Um, I worked for an influencer before she was in the high fashion and beauty realm and then um, was working for Shayna. And then I just kind of realized, like, wow, okay, like, I could really see myself doing this forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to be able to do it on more than one project at a time. Um, I think Shayna was a really good experience because she had so many, like, sub-projects under her. There was always stuff going on. But outside of just that, um, I wanted to sort of be able to apply that skill set elsewhere. So myself and the other founders of Strand... Um, at the time, we're all in the same boat, kind of working freelance, and we were friends and just kind of, like, came together and were like, okay, you know what? We can make a company out of this. Like, we don't have to really change anything about what we're doing right this second. It can kind of be a slower integration. Let's just establish a business, register a business, um, get an accountant, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the basics, and then um, transition into an actual company versus multiple freelancers Mm -hmm. um so that's how it started and it was a really it it in the moment it felt like it was like we were easing into it but i look back and i'm like wow that was a quick transition from the time we made the decision and then actually had the company up and running Mm -hmm. um and i had zero idea what i was getting myself into zero which again is probably for the better for my personality because i would have been too afraid um and i think that's where again that middle ground comes in I would say if I knew it wouldn't scare me off, I would go back and I would learn more before I made that decision, not just about my industry, but um, because I think that's actually the one thing I knew pretty much everything I needed to know at that very moment Mm -hmm. or enough of what I needed to know at that very moment. Um, but just understanding the responsibilities of starting your own company, what, Mm -hmm. what, you know, your overall business model looks like, what problem you're solving, um, the building a sense of longevity for that business. There's so you're, you're a jack of all trades as a Mm -hmm. business owner because you have a role within your company, whether that's a CEO or a creative director or the finance guy or whatever it is. And then you still have the roles of running the business. Mm -hmm. So, um, I probably... I probably, like, should have understood that a little bit more going into it. That said, that's where my sense of adaptability on a personal level was really helpful because it was like, all right, well, we're in it now, so let's learn as much as we can. Um, and so we all we all did that. And it, it, it's been really special. Um, it comes with its challenges. Oh, my God, does it ever? On so many levels, like, just, like, the simplest being having the – self-discipline and the organization to you know actually get every single thing done know when your deadlines are Mm -hmm. um, manage projects that are for different companies so they don't have insight into those projects like 
you know, we'll get calls to this day from clients that are like, oh my gosh, you know, we just realized that this, we need this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I have a design deadline for this other company. And like, I totally understand the urgency here, Mm -hmm. but like, this is where the process of like a um, formal system of like, okay, like it sounds boring, but like you have to like submit your revision request or whatever here Mm -hmm. because we need to account for three days or, or whatever it is. Like it becomes really important. And that's where I, again, going back to just knowing how to run a business, realize that there's, there is a method to the madness when Mm -hmm. it comes to having those things in place. Um, but it, it it's been it's been great. I think there's there's so kind of so much to say about it, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting being a business owner my age too. I think on a personal right. level, I sometimes notice when I walk in a room, usually not with people we end up signing with, but potential clients or whoever it is. There's sometimes a look if they know my age or if they find out my age or if my age comes up in conversation and it's just it's like i i watch a little bit of the respect to like leave their eyes and i'm like what yeah and it sucks but it also has taught me how to sort of like bring forth my value um and compensate for that not take it personally Mm -hmm. understand that you know, when people are discouraged by my age, it's because they're really wanting to make sure that they're dealing with someone with experience and drive. And like I said, with the relationship stuff, it's like maturity and age aren't always like just, you know, the exact same or follow the exact same linear path. But on a general level, obviously your maturity tends to go up as you age. Mm -hmm. So, and your experiences evolve. So, for me as a businesswoman, I just have to understand that that's what they're looking for. They're yeah. not looking at me being, you know, prejudiced. They're just like, okay, I want to make sure that this person has the experience that I'm looking for to yeah. take on the responsibilities that I want them to have. Yeah. And um, so it's a matter of being okay with that and adapting to it. Um, and again, not taking it personally and knowing how to show your value value in a non-forceful way. Um, but just a confident way in a, in a, you know, logical way. Mm -hmm. So I like that you say too, that you have learned to not take that personally. Cause I think a lot of people, our age, especially might jump to that conclusion of like, oh my gosh, like they don't have respect for me or they are questioning my abilities because of my age. And I really love that you take the time to step back and like sit in their shoes and think of what they're looking for. And just the fact that. It's just that they want to make sure that, you know, they're getting what they're paying for. Yeah. They're really getting, you know, the the correct value and partnership if they're choosing you to work with. So I like that you point that out because I think I've done the same thing. I think, you know, having my own e-commerce business since I was 16, I think it's been a little bit easier just kind of being behind the screen and being able to answer emails formally. No one has ever guessed how old I was for the most part. Even when they hear me on the phone, they don't really think I'm like, that young um but I think I remember when I started pitching to retail stores um because I designed figure skating dresses and now it's in stores um 
in like Canada and the it's US. Amazing. And um, I remember for the ones in Southern California when I first started, I think it was like junior year of college, I would walk into the ice rinks and go into the little pro shops where have their hockey gear and skating gear. And one of them told me, they, he said, I didn't expect like someone this young to walk in. I thought it was going to be someone in their 40s or 50s. And I just kind of laughed because I was kind of dressed like, you know, business fashion-y too and had my dress samples with me. And he yeah. was like, he, you could just see his yeah. face. He was like taken aback, and he's like, "Oh, okay." Um, I was like, "Yeah," and I was I was still very professional about it. But I think it's it's kind of funny. I mean, obviously, today's generation we're all evolving a little bit into kind of exploring the avenue of working for ourselves, yeah, doing our own thing. That's kind of a big part of why I've done this podcast because people have seen me, you know, have my own business, have my own podcast, write a blog. Um, but also still work in eight to five, things like that. And I'm kind of just trying to explore all of those and kind of bring it back as to what I've learned from all of them. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, probably similar to you is I think I see myself and envision myself being just working on my own as well. Um, but I think it's also nice to have that eight to five experience right now, just not just for the heck of it, but just, you know, for experience and whatnot. But, um, I think, yeah, just like you said, it's, it's not just about the age I mean it does go with maturity but we got to understand as well it's important to make sure we're providing the value that people look for yeah yeah totally so um where's where's your I guess where is strand social today where is it going what are your goals for it um and how has it been I guess in the past nine months or so of post-grad life and and doing this obviously I'm sure you've seen your college friends in different maybe more so conventional routes so how has that yeah. been I guess selfishly I'm asking as well just to see if there's yeah, any no absolutely um I think that I right after I'll, I'll start from the beginning right after graduation it was like the, I guess the last month of school actually things really started to pick up I was preparing we always knew Strand was going to be start or like um I should say based in Southern California um, so we knew we were moving back from New York but when, when we decided to start the business. However, we were, um, two of us were managing our side of the business from New York. And since our job, you know, it's an outsourced agency, since our job can essentially be done from anywhere as mm-hmm. long as we have our resources, um, it wasn't too difficult. We also had just like a good open line of communication and we were constantly um, just in touch with each other and organized and communicative um but the last month of school I was like flooded um just flooded with work and I remember being like it's not getting any easier you know (laughs) um and then graduated there was like two weeks in there where I could not I'm like I can't breathe talking about like I couldn't breathe because it was like um graduated birthday moved across the country had a couple deadlines that week. It was Memorial Day. Went to Cole's cousin's birthday up outside of San Francisco. Came back, had more deadlines, had a photo shoot. Like, I remember just, like, being, like, oh, moved into our new apartment. Like, <laughs> our couch was two weeks late. I was, it was just, like, oh, my God. It's just absolute psychotic <laughs> going on. So, um, it, it's, again, that's where that sense of adaptability and just, like, figuring it out has been yeah. really helpful for me. Um, but we were really focused at that point. Um, we were really focused on the social media side of the mm-hmm. industry. And when I say social media, that also includes influencer and talent marketing and brand partnerships, but it was really all driven around social media mm-hmm. as the platform. 
Um, as time went on, I had always had a love and a passion for design. Um, not necessarily always for graphic design. Um, I also had a passion for writing. Mm -hmm. So I had, they had kind of merged in the past. Um, but it wasn't really a huge demand of the clients and of the things we were doing in the early stages. So I wasn't doing a ton of design. And then, um, I just kind of kept doing it in the background. Um, the slower weeks or the projects that we finished earlier, whatever it was, like, I was like, okay, Cole would be like, we have so much free time. And I'm, he's like, I'm going to go for five walks a day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start all this design stuff, you know? So he was like, you just don't stop. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to learn and I'm going to learn more and I'm going to keep learning and I'm going to push myself. And so over the summer, I would say I was like, wow, I really figured out that this is something that I love, mm-hmm. the design side of it. And then um, I just kind of kept trucking along, stayed in the realm of social media then started to kind of veer into this whole like brand development brand identity area which is where again my design side of things started to kick in um and then I would say the biggest turning point was probably late fall um where we all sat down and we were like okay our skill sets have evolved the industry's evolving that's the other thing that you have to pay attention Mm -hmm. to is like marketing as a whole is probably one of the most frequently changing you know industries but then you throw social media into the mix and it's like okay new algorithm new platform Mm -hmm. new piece of content like it's just like a new thing every day so we really you know accepted that things were evolving and that we needed to evolve with them Mm -hmm. and that we were able more than able to evolve with them because our skill sets had just I mean I, I was so impressed with all of us they had just evolved so much and and um pretty quickly too for the quality and so um in about that time late fall we just decided to go from from primarily a social media marketing agency to a entire digital marketing and design agency Mm -hmm. so now we have clients that utilize us for still the important facets of social media you know whether it's a singular service like brand partnership management or influencer Mm -hmm. marketing or their social media as a whole Um, But it's also more than just that. It's email marketing, email campaigns, graphic design clients. So the list just kind of goes on. Copywriting clients. Like, they want to do everything. They just want us to write their copy. Like, so um, I love it now. I I mean, I loved it before, but I love where we're at with it. Um, I think it's hard to say exactly where it's going to go. Only because, again, the industry changes so much. And we're so ready to, like, adapt, which is a huge value out of I think our company but we're so ready to adapt that we don't know what's going to happen in five years we don't Mm -hmm. know maybe we'll have a you know merch line maybe we'll be uh uh, still be in the exact same industry or sector or whatever it is I have no idea I think my goal for us is to continue to learn and evolve um and for our skill sets to grow but also to make sure that whatever it is that we're evolving into is something that we are equally, if not more, passionate about. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the beauty of what's happened thus far is that we've all of our skill sets have evolved because we've been driven and passionate to make them evolve. And I think that if we get into a position where we're doing something just because it is of the highest demand in marketing right now, mm-hmm. it's okay to offer that. But I don't want us to get pigeonholed into a situation because I never want our 
drive or grit or passion to go away you yeah. know yeah what has it been like so for those who don't know who Cole is he's yeah. your boyfriend um just touch on it really quick what's it been like <laughs> what's it been like uh to to work with your partner um and also obviously have him as a business partner as well what's that been like and also maybe a little bit of just kind of What's it been like transitioning into just all of that um, at such a, I guess, on the younger age spectrum, if that makes sense? Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, I'm going to steal a, a paraphrased version of Dana Trout, uh, her speech from a panel that I went to. She's the um, founder of Health Aid Kombucha. Okay. And she started Health Aid with her boyfriend at the time, who's now her husband. And there's also a third partner, I believe, that was involved. But she was... I was just so impressed by the way that she summarized everything on this panel because she was like, look, it works or it doesn't. And it's true. I don't think we knew at the time if it was going to work or not, which is so bad to say. But just... I don't think that... Because I just don't think you know what to look for. Right. Um, but I knew that he was my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that we were really good at communicating with each other. And I knew that, you know, our business and uh, our business goals aligned and our drive aligned. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I guess I shouldn't say I didn't know. I did know that much. Um, but you obviously, when you see it in action, it's not always exactly what you envision. Yeah. Um, but I think that, to the to that point it's just it works or it doesn't like people will sometimes ask me whether it's a friend a friend of a friend an offshoot instagram dm like what's it like working with your boyfriend and i'm like i can tell you what it's like for me Mm -hmm. but i i'm this isn't me saying that you're gonna have the same experience um i think if it does work the key is knowing how to compartmentalize the situation um we don't necessarily work nine to five. We work more like seven thirty to eight. But um, so we have long work days. But the point is that whatever goes on inside those work hours doesn't come outside those work hours. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's a hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do in the beginning. We weren't so religious about it. It was like oh 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 we're we're teetering into that you know negative thing that happened. And if, you know, I screw up at work or if he screws up at work, whatever it is, and we're mad at each other in a work environment, like, that's not to be carried into our home environment. Mm, And if we're mad at each other in our home environment, like, that's absolutely never to be carried into our work environment. Yeah. Um, So I think that from the beginning, again, going back to Dana Trout, she was so good about explaining the importance of communicating from the get-go what to do if it's not working. Because kind of to my point about, like, I I regress and I say that, yes, okay, I knew enough going into it, but just that it's different when you're actually in motion mm-hmm. um, and you see things differently. I think that in some cases you could expect it to go a certain way and it, it's not. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's not working the way that you thought it might. Um, and so she was explaining, like, from the beginning – have an exit plan like right. or exit strategy that you all are aware of like i love you still but this is not you know this, this is not what's fulfilling me or i'm not good at this or you're not meeting expect- whatever it is like know how you're going to get out or how you're going to have that conversation mm-hmm. before that conversation even needs to happen as a precaution um understand your roles really explicitly from the beginning even if it's like 
okay, you're the CEO. I don't really know what that means. Okay, you're leading design. Okay, I kind of know what that means. Okay, you're a creative director. Like, even if, like, you kind of have to figure out what those roles mean along the way, having a clear-ish definition of what, who's supposed to be doing what helps a lot because I think there's a lot of, um, let's just say disagreement in the beginning or, like, just natural tension in the beginning because there's so much going on when you start a business and there's bound to be slip-ups there's bound to be mistakes and it's constantly like oh shit like you didn't do that oh Mm -hmm. shit you didn't do that and it's like that will die down I think it's just natural in the beginning of anything because it it's just a lot from the start um but if you can look at the situation be like I didn't do that like that falls under my response rules of responsibility it's like that is where it mitigates a lot of that unnecessary, like, you know, pointing the finger and blame game stuff. So it's uh, it's interesting, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also work on very different sides of the business that people think we are just side by side talking every single second of every day. There was someone that told me something work related to a client last Friday. And I was like, OK, I'll, I'll talk to Cole about this. And she was texting with me later in the day, and she was like, okay, like, what what was Cole's response? And I was like, I have not seen him. He's been in back-to-back meetings outside of the office, like, I, like, I, and it wasn't like, oh, he's just on, has a day off, like, but, you know, we, we have to, the same way that you, if you were in a corporate setting, you have to schedule a meeting with your boss, or you have to schedule a meeting with your colleague that works in an entirely different vertical of yeah. the business, or whatever it is, like, you have to schedule those things and stick to that, like, I even told you our Google Calendar is like our <laughs> life because it's it's how we know we're gonna have the other person in the same place at the same time yeah, and have their I attention. I love that though. <laughs> so yeah, we're I think, nuts. I think you handle it in such a mature way, which I fully admire. Thank just because, you. Um, again, that's something I see similar between us is just kind of the way we take a step back and learn how to adapt to certain things, but also learn how to you know, manage whether that's working with a, you know, romantic partner as well in a business setting um, or just kind of managing schedules, taking our drive seriously in whatever we apply ourselves in. I think that you manage that all in a very mature way, which is a big part of why I really wanted you on this podcast because I just think you're a great example of someone that has done many of the things the listeners have done, whether that's being college, you know, being a sorority, move across the country, all of the above. I think um, so many people can learn from that. So I just have two more questions. Okay. And the first one is, where do you see yourself five years from now? Oh, <laughs> This one always catches me. <laughs> <laughs> like... Because I have, I said in the beginning, I just, I always have so much to say. Like, you ask me a question and I'm like, oh, but there's this that I want to do in five years and this I want to do in five years. Um, I think what I want in five years is to know I've made a difference in some way, whether it's in my industry, outside of my industry, you know, some sort of philanthropic difference. I don't know, but I want to have seen myself made some sort of difference or be on the track Mm -hmm. making a difference in five years um I think uh it seems maybe a little bit random but I think that mental health is so uh it's it's very hot topic of today and I I'm personally very invested in mental health awareness and mental illness and 
I think that for me in five years, I want to be the healthiest, happiest version of myself. I love that. Um, because again, I'm, I'm okay admitting that I don't have like this set in stone five year life plan or business plan or whatever it is because I'm ready to evolve in a smart way but evolve as opportunities change and arise and I am still so young so what I have to be true to is while yes like I can be confident about my value and I can be very knowledgeable or experienced in what I'm doing right now like I don't want to be too quick to close other doors Mm -hmm. so I think that that's in five years, as long as I'm happy, healthy, doing what I love, um, really just continuing to work hard, I'd love to be married with kids. <laughs> I want to be a In young five years. mom. Oh, that's so cute. I want to have like a ton of kids, which um, hopefully my financial situation allows for. But I do. I want a lot of kids. So um, I don't. I don't want to start late. I want you know. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so we'll see. That's cute. Oh, I love that. Um, and then the last question is something I always ask everyone on this podcast, and it can be a deep question, but what fulfills you in life, or what do you find fulfillment most in your everyday life? So I would say there's so many t- tiny little things. Um, my family, my dogs, they're my children. They... I. I, they, oh my God, drive me crazy, but I love them dearly. Um, Cole, he's amazing. My best friends. Um, everyone around me fulfills me because I believe so much in human connection and each other and togetherness. And so that is for sure one of the most fulfilling elements of my life. And I think always will be. Hence Mm -hmm. the reason I want to be a young mom is because like I... I dream about the day I get to just like play with my kids. I'm okay. I sound insane, but it's true. But I think, um, outside of that, what I've learned is really fulfilling me is, um, specific to my work design is definitely the most fulfilling. Um, I love the, having the ability to create things that, allow brands to really connect with their consumers um that really resonate with their audiences i think that you know you can have a great product or you can have a great service or you can have a great company but it's not just about what you're telling your audience it's how you're you know how you're saying it and i love being able to help a brand in that process i Mm -hmm. really do and that's why i keep doing what i'm doing um but what also fulfills me in the design realm probably more than anything is um writing and design Mm -hmm. which is where my quotes and my own personal graphic design comes in so i have a page called um just the sign you needed and it's just all my like random side project graphic designs it's Mm -hmm. mostly quotes that i've written myself because Mm -hmm. i think that you know a lot to a lot um similar to you starting this podcast is like i i believe writing connects people mm-hmm. i think talking about issues connects people i would yeah. think words in general connect yeah. people and i love the idea of even if it's just one person taking that quote, quote or graphic that i posted mm-hmm. and making it their wallpaper or saving it to look back on a different time talk about a breakup 
quotes saved my life. Yeah. I wouldn't listen to anyone, but I'd find all these quotes on the internet, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll listen to you. Yeah. Um, and then, so for me, it's like, that just, again, it's not about having hundreds of thousands of followers. That's yeah. not my objective. Um, it, you know, if, if it happens to please so many people, great. But my objective is just one more person in the world yeah. seeing that and being feeling connected feeling it you know that reminder that they really needed knowing like oh wow okay I'm actually not alone someone else who wrote this has felt this you know and and that's why I've always been connected to writing um and why I want to continue doing that so that it connects you know other people yeah and I I think that we're so similar in that sense as well as that we both have an objective and goal in what we do is just to impact one person it's not about a million people a thousand people it's just if it helps one person then that in itself has been worth it just because I think likewise as well relationships and human connection is what fulfills me I think at the end of the day it's like that's what lights me up and um, I can definitely see that in you so I'm so glad we got to have a full-on conversation (laughs) about it all (laughs) me too well thank you so much for being on do you have any final words Um, share your social media where everyone can find you any last parting words um if you want to look at social media if you want to follow me if you want to send me a dm (laughs) I told Emily I'm an open book um so you can Leslie Dwight is my handle just a sign you need is all my designs my company is Strand Social um but yeah I'm just so grateful that you had me on the show I really appreciate it it's been so fun yay thank you so much so that was today's episode with Leslie Dwight I know it was a longer episode as well, but I did want it to be a long and thoughtful conversation just because she's my age and not only super relatable to this audience and my community, but I just truly admire her and respect everything that she's doing, kind of running her own show and doing her own thing, something that is not conventional. And as you guys know, I am kind of in the same boat as well. So I definitely knew there would be great takeaways from this conversation, whether you're still in college, whether you're graduating soon, whatever it is, I know that there were a lot of great lessons to be learned. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and have been loving this podcast so far, I would appreciate it so much if you guys could quickly leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A brief little tidbit is good enough. It can only take 30 seconds. Again, I appreciate it so much. And also be sure to share this on your Instagram stories and just to share it with your friends if you have been enjoying it. I think sharing good content with your community is always something I personally love seeing from you know my own friends and community but also just I love seeing people spread good content so if you like it please share again thank you so much and I will talk with you guys in the next episode bye Uh